Revelations 12. And um, oftentimes when we share testimonies, this, this is always in my heart, that it's part of how we're made overcomers. And, and in Revelation, we'll, we'll read it here in a second, but it says, by, we're made overcomers by the word of our testimony, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So we're just going to press into that word today. And, and honestly, it's kind of like, I don't know what the title is yet. Jason and I will creatively come up with a good title for today so it looks good on Instagram and, and, and YouTube and all that. But uh, it's the battle, the blood, and the word. And, and that's kind of where we're going today in, in talking about new life. Like, I don't know about you, but when I saw Josh come out of that water, I got excited seeing God working on his heart this last year. And then that becomes the public expression of who the Lord is in him and up here. And just, man, it's, it's incredible. And these babies and just the things happening. And, and for me, what, what I'm most excited about is Jesus. Only Jesus can take Josh to where he was to where he is now. Only Jesus, Jesus can take Zach to where he was and where he is today. Only Jesus can do these things. And as I'm sitting here in worship, I'm, I'm, I'm weeping because only Jesus could take me from where I was to I'm actually baptizing people now. I actually have a microphone now. 15 years ago, I was an atheist, a drunkard, suicidal. 15 years ago, I wasn't where I am now, but Jesus. But God, and then suddenly a moment happened, a road to Damascus moment happened, and, and I'm telling you, he's happened in those moments in each and every one of you. That's how you're here today and where you are, regardless of how you got here, regardless of if you think you've arrived yet, hopefully we never get to that place because we're all in process. No matter where we are in this walk with Jesus, we are in process and we're not perfect. We're not asking for perfection. God himself is not asking for perfection. His presence will make you perfect, okay? His presence will perfect you in the likeness of him. And this is an eternal thing to where one day we will stand in the throne room of Jesus and we will, we will be able to grasp his face. We will be able to behold him. And in that moment, we will be perfect. But until then, there's this beautiful process that takes place and we're being perfected in the likeness of Jesus. Not perfect, but perfected in his likeness because the more I grow in him and the more I allow him to fill me up and the more humble and submissive I am to him and the more I focus on his beauty and the revelation of who he is and the more I worship him, the more perfect I'm becoming because I'm beholding and then I'm becoming what I'm beholding. If this makes any sense. Revelation 12 says this, And it's going to be verses 7 through 12. Then there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle. By the way, let me, let me recap and catch you up to speed if you're not church folk. This is, Revelation was written, John the Beloved had an open vision and an encounter what, what all heaven would look like. This is the account of John and, and the gift that God gave him as an open vision of what heaven is like. A lot of times you may grow up in religions or churches that use this as a fear tactic and use revelation as this thing to scare the hell out of you rather than get the love of the Father in you, okay? So, so this is the beloved John who is at the bosom of Jesus, and Jesus has gifted him this vision, this open encounter of an heavenly encounter. He got to experience heaven and see heaven to its fullest in these, in these accounts. So here's what John is saying. And the dragon lost the battle. ha, ha, ha. I'm here to tell you that Jesus won, he wins. And he will always win. And in the end, he wins. 
Jesus won on the cross. He won in the grave, and he won in Josh's life. Jesus won in Zach's life. Jesus won in my life. He won in your life, and he wins in the end. And he said to his angels, and he said, and his angels were forced out of heaven. The great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all of his, all of his angels. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power in the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before God day and night. So here's the account, the accuser, the enemy has been thrown down to earth. How many feels like there's been some, some, some devil stuff going on among the earth? Let me just say, sin ain't from God. Sin isn't from God. Sin isn't, impurity's not from God. It's from the enemy. And it started in the garden. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens, rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and the sea. How many feel like there's a little terror right now? But terror will come to the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. So much good stuff in there, but I'm going to stop there for, for a little bit here, because there's a battle. And I'm saying that there's a battle. I'm going to go from, from the future and, and the eternal realm of the end, and I'm going to go back to Job. I'm going to go back to the Old Testament now. Because there is a kingdom battle, a kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. There is a battle of purity and righteousness and holiness and sin. There is a battle of the kingdom and of the world. There is a battle even in our hearts of sin and, and purity. There's this battle. Even Paul talks about it in Hebrews, and, and he goes on in, in Romans, and he's like, you know, he says, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak, right? There is this battle, but let me remind you, everybody say, Jesus, Jesus. wins. Jesus, the Almighty, knows the beginning to the end. He is Alpha and Omega. He knows the beginning from the end. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the creator of the universe. He is the Savior to all of us, right? He is the healer. He wins. He wins every battle you're facing. He wins everything you're going through, every trial, every circumstance. It just may not look like the way you want it to look or the timing you need it to be. But let me just say, his will is way better than our will. His agenda is way better than our agenda. His plan is way better than our plan. And let me just say, he wins. There is a heaven versus hell battle that's been going on from the beginning of time, from the foundations of the world, from the garden, all the way to the end of time. But who wins? If there's one thing you get in this service today, it's Jesus wins. It says that his grace is sufficient for all needs. Listen, I, there's junk that you're going through that I'm not aware of. There's situations, there's hurts, there's, there's roots down deep in your heart from decades ago that I'm not aware of. But let me just tell you, Jesus wins, and he knows that, and he can heal that, and his grace is sufficient to cover that, and it doesn't mean it goes away, it doesn't mean it changes that past, but it changes the outcome of the future. It changes how we endure it, it changes our outlook on it, it changes who it's made us become, right? David was chose to be king, king as a child, but he couldn't wear the crown until he went through a process. And that process was him becoming a man after God's heart. That process even involved him failing to Bathsheba. When kings were off to war, he was gazing at women from the rooftops. 
There's these things that happen through our life, but it gives us the character, the fortitude, the testimony of the blood of the Lamb, of God's goodness. See, so, so we're made overcomers by two ways, by what Jesus did and what he does through us. What Jesus did on the cross and his blood and what he continues to do through us individually, corporately, and in the word, right? All right, let's, let's move on. Job 1, 6 through 12. says this I love preaching from Job if you think you got a crappy life read Job and we're going to get there a little bit today eventually I'm looking at the clock because I know there's folks in here not used to a 50 minute message one day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord and the accuser Satan came with them, where have you come from? The Lord said to Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? Everybody say, have you noticed? My son, Job. Do you know that the Lord has numbered your steps? He has planned out things. And do you know he has, he has planned a victory in your life? He has set up the devil for a butt whooping in your future. Have you noticed my servant? Have you noticed my beloved Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, yes, but Job has a good reason to fear God. Yeah, I know him. He knows you. You have always put a wall of protection around him in his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right. You may test him. This is God saying, okay, <laughs> you think you know everything, but you're a deceiver. You're an accuser. All right, try it. Try it. Try it. Just try it. Try my son Job. I believe the Lord is having this as exchange with the enemy because he's almost having pity on him and he's trying to warn the devil don't mess with Job I, honestly like I used to read this story to say well God caused this to happen then I started to get into like knowing the father a little bit more and a little revelation of his goodness I'm like okay well the enemy at least had to have permission and God allowed it to happen now I'm like I'm so confident how good God is and I'm so confident to knowing who the Father is and how amazing our Lord and Savior is that I know that the Lord was actually just setting Job up for success and the enemy up for a good butt whooping. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with, it, with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. All right, and, and now we're going to get somewhere here. He's saying, he's saying, have you considered my son Job? Have you considered who you're messing with? And I believe he's saying that on all our behalf because we are beloved sons and daughters of God. 1 John 3.1 calls us children. You know, we go to Galatians 4 and Romans 8. It talks about the spirit of adoption. And Paul is saying that we are sons and daughters of a living God. Our inheritance is heaven. And we can cry out, Abba, Father, right? That is Jesus. Like, we get to cry out, Daddy. That's his goodness. That's how amazing he is. But our identity is of the inheritance of heaven. Our identity is Jesus. Our identity is sons and daughters of this living king. And let me just say, he has won the battle, and he is the fiercest warrior that's ever lived on this pl the, the planet Earth. And he walked, and he was flesh, and he dwelled among us, and he, was, and he endured more than any of us will ever endure. He endured persecution more than any of us ever endured. 
I love going back to Mexico year after year, and I, and I see this young gentleman, and I was at a meeting where, where he gave his life to Jesus, and he was part of the cartel. And every year now I go back for about six, five, six years now, and he's serving Jesus, and he's holding babies, and, he's, and his, his wife's pregnant, right? And, and I love seeing this because his yes to Jesus that night of that meeting was a possible yes to death because he didn't know if he'd be able to get out of the cartel alive. Now that's some persecution. There are people in this world that their yes to Jesus is way harder than our yes to Jesus. There is his yes to Jesus, man, it might mean he will never return to any of his family, friends, or that church ever again. That's powerful. But he met a Jesus who he knew was victorious over every situation, victorious over the cartel, and victorious to death no matter the end because his eternity is now in heaven, beholding the face of Jesus. So this thing of the garden and being kicked out, it was protection, not punishment. They they ate of this tree. If they had eaten of the tree in the center of the garden, if they had eaten of the next tree, it would have been eternal separation from the Father. But God loved them so much, he says, no, we're going to post them out of the garden here. And it's not because of punishment, it's protection because he loves his children. He loves his beloveds. We're his bride, we're his family, right? There's a day coming where we get to see him face to face, where we get to be in eternity with him. And until then, we get to glorify him and have communion with him and bless him and spend time with him every day and, and, and literally please his heart. That's, that's what our life gets to be. It's not to please us. We're not in this world to gain more possessions. We're not in this world to gain more money or cars or houses. That, that's not our purpose in life. Let me just say, there are blessings in life that come. That's, they're amazing, awesome. I'm not opposed to blessings. I'm not opposed to people getting new cars. That's awesome. Just let me drive it. Let me test drive it, especially if it's a fun one. I love American classics. I love Italian cars. I, I've yet to drive a Tesla. I would love that. So get it. Do it. It's fine. Just let me test drive it. Let me take it on a date with my wife. But here's the deal. Our purpose in life is to bless the Lord. And honestly, to lead as many as others as possible to show them the kindness, the goodness of God to encounter a loving Messiah and to bless the Lord and to bring as many as others as possible to an encounter to love Jesus and experience his love and to bless the Lord. (laughs) That's the cycle of our life. And in the process, it looks like me loving my wife and, and, and treating her as Christ treats the church, as the Bible says. Not just the first part of her submitting to me as, as the bride submits to Christ, right? No, the second part too, that I actually love her and treat her as Christ and loves and sacrifices for the church. Or my kids as my greatest disciples, my kids. And not trading any of that away to grow this bigger. <laughs> or my business bigger. Or to have that sale. Or to do that. Or this. Or miss out on my kids' opportunities and lives because I'm chasing this thing for me. The battle's won. All right, let me stay. That was a rabbit trail. All right, so there's this battle, right? Now the blood, Colossians 1, 15 through 23. I'm not to closing yet, but I'm wrapping some things up. Colossians 1, 15 through 23. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. Let me just say, when, when, when the deceiver and the accuser was sent back to earth, just know that God is still in the heavenly realm on the earth as well. He not only wins in heaven, he wins on the earth too. Okay? Make sure that's in your deep theology. Jesus wins. 
in heaven and on earth. And Luke 9 gave you the authority of heaven and earth as the kingdom advances, okay? Moving on. For through him, with God, everything in the heavenly realms and on earth, he made the things we can see and the things we can't, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is the first in everything. Don't you want that to be true in your life? Oh, Christ to be first in my everything. For God in, his, in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. By means of Christ's blood on the cross. It's the blood. This includes you, who were once far away from God, you were his enemies, separated from him by evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him out without a single fault. This is really good. Jesus, through Christ's blood, through his blood, redeemed us and reconciled us back to the Father and just literally canceling all sin, all mistakes, all injustices, all issues going on on the earth to reconcile us back to him. And we are his ambassadors. We are citizens of heaven. Our citizenship isn't here. We're, we're, ten, we're just passerbyers. We're guests on this earth, right? Our citizenship is actually stamped in heaven. We're, this, we're just like here on a passport. We're here on a visa. But our permanent residency is heaven. And I get to dwell in that place in the heavenly realms here, but then live there eternally also. Let, let, let me just say this. Kingdom, the, the kingdom of God, heaven, is not just this destination that one day we'll get a ticket to. All right, that is great. But John 10.10 10 says that Jesus came to give life and life abundantly. He came to give eternal life, but also abundant life here on earth, meaning a heavenly life here on earth as I demonstrate heaven through me. Let me put it this way. The scripture says that Christ in me is the hope of glory. So I get to live in this hope realm of heaven no matter where I go, no matter what's happening. Why? Because I have a greater cause to live for because I get to bring God glory and I get to lead others to his love and an encounter with him. And then I get to bring God glory and See where I'm going with this. Let me finish this up. The blood, the word of our testimony. Job, let's go back to Job towards the end of that chapter, towards the end, ends of that book. All right, Job says this. Basically, let's just live here for a second. Job gets everything taken away. For the non-church folk here or watching or who will be exposed to this message in the future, Job goes through his life, gets everything stripped away, family dies, Wealth's taken away, jobs taken away, possessions taken away. And in the end, he has this, this dialogue with a few friends. And there's one friend, Elihu, who in, in chapters 32 through 37 actually give him some really good advice. I want a friend like that. I want a friend like that that's going to call out my junk and hold me accountable. I want a friend like that's going to love me enough to say, Aaron, you're not living up to the measurement of who God created you to be. Aaron, you're falling short of the destiny and the call that's on your life. I want, I want friends like that. How many are with me? 
Then we get into uh, Job 38 through 41, and this is a challenge from God. God challenges Job in these ways. Now, this is a guy that's just lost everything, and now his friend is correcting him, and God is now challenging him, and it's beautiful, and it's three chapters or four chapters or so of God challenging him in all of these areas, and then guess what? Job says this in, verse, in chapter 42, 1 through 6, says, then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. How many of you have found yourself in battles that weren't your battles to fight in the first place? And things that you didn't even know about, things that you didn't even realize God has a greater good for. God's mercy was actually triumphing justice right there. You said, listen, and I will speak, and I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. Job is praising God, and he's leaving a testimony. And now listen, the beginning of Job, the enemy and God are having an exchange of how much he knew God, Right? He was actually being adored for and, and, and acknowledged by even the enemy. Like, he has everything. He's praising you. But when you get to the reality, when now all that was stripped away, there was a process that took happen, that, that, that happened in his heart. And if we go back to what we read from the beginning, they didn't love themselves so much that they actually were willing to die. Job now has lost everything, and now he has encountered God to the point of saying, it doesn't matter what happens now. Life or death, you're good. Trial, not trial, you're good. Circumstance, no circumstance, you're good. He's praising God. So by the blood of the Lamb, by what Jesus did on the cross, even in that moment because he was the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he knew, Job knew to the end that God was going to win. I don't know if you're getting this connection of time, but I want to bring it to a reality of us now, all right? Because there is, there is a battle. So life was good with Job. He had everything in materials, then life sucked. <laughs> and there was a process that took him deeper in God. And now he's saying, nothing else matters but you, God. And I praise you. And thank you. And if you read the last chapter of that book, you learn that God then restored everything to him twice as good as it ever was before. There are blessings in the covering, in the connection, in the blood, in the, the covenant of Jesus. There are blessings. Whether it's materials or not, there are blessings. Let, let me close this out. The, uh, maybe Josh can come or the band or whoever was planned. There's a battle in us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Therefore, so there's this battle of good and evil. There's this battle of saying yes to Jesus and actually living it out or going through motions or not going at all. And the Bible words it like this, cold, hot, or lukewarm. And he says, I'd rather you be cold or hot than lukewarm. Lukewarm, I'll spew you from my mouth like vomit. So many of us, there's this battle. And we, we, want, we want a side on both sides of this fence. We, wanna, we, want, we want to like play this. And I was like that for a number of years. And, and then finally I was like, all right, God, I give you my all. And all of a sudden, man, when I went all in with him, I started experiencing things. I started having revelation. And I started walking in such a peace and a hope that nothing else mattered anyway. But before there, I'm still playing the game, right? So there's this battle. And the only thing that God asks for is our yes, our surrender, our trust, our faith, that's it. it's a free gift. Salvation, all, it's all a free gift. 
But it says this in, in, in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Again, Jesus wins. The old gets to die. And I never have to be that person again. Now, now there are environments, there are things, there are, when people cut me off on the interstate, that old man tries to rise up, and I got to remind that old man he's dead. We're on the plane coming back, and we were so close to missing our connector. And all these people from the back start rushing, saying, I've got a plane to catch. And I rose up, I was like, everybody does! Because all of a sudden, a mob started moving forward. I'm like, and we literally had about five to ten minutes to spare at best once we got to our gate. We, we got there, two minutes, we're boarding. And, and, and I was like, man, I, felt, I even felt conviction that. Even though it was probably the right thing to do, like, like whatever. It wasn't all that bad. I didn't cuss this time. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't call him a name. I didn't word curse. I didn't lie, right? But I was like, we're all trying to catch a plane. And I just rose up, and Nicole like, looked at me. Every once, like, there's a lion in here, and there's a lamb, and sometimes I got to distinguish, is that a righteous lion, or is that the old man? And I got to remind that old man he's dead, but let me just tell you, it's Jesus won in my heart, and is continuing to win day by day as a process. There's a new creature that's here, and that I at least understand, and I hunger for his righteousness. I hunger for his presence. I hunger for his purity. I hunger for revelation. I hunger for worship with him doesn't mean I always get there perfectly. That's the desire of the heart, and I, and I believe that's what the Lord is asking for today, just hearts. And I'll finish it by this verse here, Galatians 2.20. Then I'm going to end with a story. I can't see the clock, so I have no idea where I'm at or what I've done. And I don't even think it's been set. It still says 11-something. It is 12-something, right? No, that's right. I went back to when we had 11 a.m. services. I just got all mixed up. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, flesh, in the flesh, I live by faith through the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the battle that's won. Christ gave himself for me. So now no longer do I have to live or nor does it matter who I was. But now I get to live with him. And Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the joy, because in his presence is the fullness of joy. Christ in me, a hope of eternity. Christ in me, a fruitful marriage, because I'm, when I'm squeezed, the fruits of the Spirit are coming out. Christ in me, I get to love and be patient. Love is patient because I'm being tested in those realms to test the patience of love or the kindness of love. If, ever, if Nicole was perfect, I'd never be tested in those areas, right? But she's imperfect because she's a human being. We're never we're called to be human doings, we're called to be human beings that we get to be in his presence and be in his love and abide in him, not just do. That's what Job experienced. It wasn't matter what he accomplished, it wasn't matter what he had, it, it mattered what, who was in him. Now let me, let me just close with this one story. I promise it's fast. But if it's not, I don't apologize. There's a woman in the Bible in the New Testament. It's a story, and it's called The Woman with the Issue of Blood. You can look it up by Scripture if you like. And this woman had several years, a little over a decade of, of, of bleeding, menstruating continuously without stopping. She stunk. She was an outcast. 
It said that she had spent all of her money, all of everything she had ever earned through physicians and trying to get help with this issue with blood. There's a crowd gathering around Jesus and, and she pushes her way. And, and if you've read the context and the depth of how she pushed her way through, it was actually fighting through a crowd and literally squeezing in and pushing and, and trying to push people away just to get to Jesus. And she touches just a piece of his garment called a hem of his garment, just, just a little piece of his, of his clothing. And all of a sudden it says, the Bible says, Jesus felt power go out of his body. And she was completely healed in that one instant. Now, this isn't just a point in the, in the bragging about Jesus being a healer, because he is still a healer. If he healed then, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he still heals today. That's how we believe. We believe if the Bible says so, then it's true. So, but here's the deal. She touches it, and she says, I felt power. Who touched me? I felt power leave my body. And she says, it was me. Now, this title in the Bible is called Woman with the Issue of Blood. We identify her as the woman with the issue of blood. But then Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Before Christ, I had a ton of titles. Some good, some bad. Before Christ, I had a number in the judicial court system, right? I was arrested several times. Before Christ, I was an adulterer and a cheater and, and a drunkard and all these things, right? There's this, this list of titles that people have given you in your life that, that aren't your titles to bear. They aren't your nature. They aren't what you were created for. They aren't your destiny in life. And they're just simply lies from the accuser and the liar and the deceiter, deceitful liar of all lies, right? We're known, she, we know her as the woman with the issue of blood, but God doesn't identify her woman with the issue of blood. He says, daughter. Your faith has made you well. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus has won victories in your life, that you're no longer dumb, you're no longer worthless, you're no longer a sinner, you're now a beloved child of God. You're now daughter or son or beloved or child. That's who you are, believer, follower of Christ, disciple, whatever. Like, like he calls you more than a conqueror. These are the things that God in his word identifies you as now being not just the blood of the lamb of him paying the price for it, but now the word of your testimony because it is the word of God that you're more than a conqueror. That he identifies you as a royal priesthood. You are royalty. That he identifies you as a son or daughter where we can cry out, Abba, Father. That's our destiny. That's our inheritance. That's our titles. That's our nature. Not what the enemy put in us or how we were deceived or anything like that. We are identified as Christ followers. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Why don't you stand with me? I believe there's a lot of people in here today that your past still tries to haunt you, that that dead man or dead woman that's been dead and you've surrendered to Jesus, sometimes that still tries to creep in. We were in an environment recently and man, started feeling these feelings and thankfully we got out of there. I started feeling these feelings of going back to, to the worldly ways I used to be and doing the things I used to do and thinking the way I used to think. But God's called me to repentance, to the penthouse of thinking, not just saying I'm sorry, but turning away from who I used to be. Now he's redeemed that, but it's still my choice to stay out of that. I have free will, I can do whatever I want. It's not everything's the perfect will of God. Anyway, she's no longer the woman with the issue of blood. She's a daughter of God. She's healed. She no longer bled after that. She was totally healed. But we still call her the woman with the issue of blood. We still call healed blind Bartimaeus blind Bartimaeus when we're telling our kids little stories, our little kids' stories. 
Let me tell you a story about blind Bartimaeus. Let me tell you a story about Bartimaeus who was healed who was blind. Right? We don't say that. We say, let me tell you a story about blind Bartimaeus. Let me tell you a story about Zach, who his identity isn't a concrete driver. That's just what he does. Who he is is a beloved lover of Jesus and a follower of Christ. Right? He's an amazing dad, a great husband. But that's still not... That's just what he is, but that's from the fruit of being who he is. God has won this victory from the end of time to the beginning of time, and he wins, and, he, and he's, he's won in Josh. He's won in all of us. He's victorious. Everybody say, Jesus wins. Say, Jesus won. It was the blood of his shedding on Calvary. It was him conquering death, hell, and the grave. And I can't wait. Easter's coming, right? This is the preface of Easter. But before Easter, after Easter, before the resurrection, after Jesus wins. He still wins today. Man, I'd love to just clothe you with something new today. All right, we do some weird stuff in here. Can, can we just, like, I believe, like, I see this hat here. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting some imagery. And at, at the beginning of service, I was like, all right, trying to turn my hat. I, I believe that we've wore many hats of different identities and titles that the enemies tried to put on us. Maybe parents, maybe big siblings or, or, or naysayers or bosses in our life, whatever. And they've put these lies on us. And we've been wearing these hats around. And they actually try to control our belief system and control who we are and who we've become, right? Jesus wants to throw those hats away and give you a crown of righteousness and a crown of glory and a crown of identity. So can you just do something really weird? We're going to end service like this. And then um, Nicole did this invitation earlier. Like, if you don't know Jesus, come up. I felt there was power on that. And I felt there was people in the room that could have responded to that, but you're scared and that's cool. But we're going to have a prayer team up so you get a second chance. And anybody who needs prayer for anything relational issue, a, he, a, a physical issue, emotional issue, a home issue, a work issue, whatever. We're going to have a prayer team up that would love to pray for you. Or if you're like, I wanted to respond, but I didn't want everybody staring at me. You can come here in a little bit and we'll have people ready to pray for you. But can you do this act of symbolism? And like, it's lit, we would call this a prophetic act, meaning we are prophesizing, prophesying, prophesizing. Let's be thinking like supersized stuff from McDonald's right now. I'm getting hungry. It's the last day. I'm going to try to eat better tomorrow and, like, start this plan. So I'm like, last night I had, like, a large blizzard. I went with a large. I was, like, pounding. Anyway, it's so unhealthy. This is the opposite of the calm before the storm. This is the storm before the calm. Anyway, I forget. Oh, prophetic symbolism. Let me say this. Can I, can I just teach some people something? Prophesy is simply the heart of what the Father in heaven is seeing on you or a situation. Now, prophecy has been very perverted in our culture and in Christianity because there's been televangelists and all these things that have manipulated prophecy into something that it was never intended to be. Prophecy is literally just revealing the heart of God in heaven. So it's seeing things that you may not be seeing in yourselves or situation. So, so you may see something on TV like, I feel somebody's going to give a $1,000 gift right now. And I think there's going to be 10 of you. Or, or hey, I've got this oil. I'm going to sell it. You can, you know, text or, or email this or, or call in right now and buy this cloth or buy this oil or buy this special anointing water. Like, and I feel like that, blah, blah, blah. That's been the perversion of prophecy that has tainted the purity in the heart and the love of prophecy and even the gifts of the Spirit of how they will operate and flow from heaven. 
So a prophetic act is us saying, okay, we're going to take off what the enemy's put on us and put on something God has put on us, okay? It's just a prophetic act, okay? It's a visual. So whatever that is, let's just pray for a second. God, reveal right now in this room the identities, the names, the lies, whatever it might be in the name of Jesus, and let us take that off right now. That is not who we are. So when you're ready, just take those, those hats off. Maybe there's a few. Just take those hats off. That's not your hat to wear. That's not your identity to wear. Just take that off. Maybe you literally have a hat on today. You just take that off. Even if you have hat head, that's fine. It's okay, Kira. It's all right. You look beautiful. Because now you're putting on the crown of beauty. Okay, when you're ready, just ask God. Say, what is it now in replace of that that I'm putting on? If they've called you stupid, no, you are wise. You are called to live in wisdom. So put that on. Whatever that is, just put, put on those crowns of righteousness, those crowns of sonship and daughtership, those crowns of identity and purity. Listen, you're no longer an addict. You're a freed son or daughter of Jesus. You now get to walk in freedom and so on. So now just put your hands on your heart. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for life. I thank you that you have won the battle. You have won the war that we are new creatures in you, that, that the old is gone, the old is dead, and we have found something to die for so that we can live eternally. So we thank you, Jesus. You are good. You are victorious. And now we get to walk in the identity that you've called us to. We get to walk in the fullness of you, Jesus. So we thank you. We thank you, Lord, even as, as we leave here today and through the week and even, even the, the, the last few days of this month, Lord, I pray that you continue to do things in our hearts that you continue to work in us and convict us and, and draw us closer to you. Let us have communion with you, Jesus. Let, our, let us see you in such a way that our revelation is so deep, our worship is even deeper. Lord, we bless you and we thank you. We thank you for the babies today that were dedicated. We thank you for their lives and the future and the plans. We declare Jeremiah 29, 11 over each of them and the babies to come. That you have plans for them, plans to prosper them, plans for a hope, plans for a future, a good future. Lord, I thank you for Josh and the baptism today. I thank you for the new life. I thank you for the weight that was lifted there. I thank you for sobriety and freedom. Lord, and we pray, Lord, we draw an addiction to you, Jesus. We love you. We surrender to you. We say yes to you continually. <sighs> Take a deep breath in. <sighs> Don't you feel like the peace of God here right now? It's like a heaviness that's gone. I feel like I'm breathing lighter. It feels good. I'm just going to do a workout real quick. No, I'm going to sleep today watching March Madness and eat a bunch of food. Hey, bless you guys. Have an amazing day. Uh, our prayer team's going to be up here. If you need prayer for anything, we invite you to go deeper with the Lord. But bless you. We'd love to have you back in the future. Um, and then we're going to let the people take pictures, do whatever you want. But God bless you guys.